What you drinking? I'm having a nice cup of Irene tea. I don't like tea. But this one will provide you a little bit of nostalgia. It's family owned and operated in Indiana. Well, let me try some of that. Oh, that's pretty good. Where'd you get it from? I went to IraneTea.com and in a few clicks, it was at our front door. Welcome to the Keeping the Nostalgia Alive show. I'm your host, Billy Powell. Today on the program, we have NCAA basketball coach Bill Hodges, who coached at Indiana State University, some head coaching stints in Georgia, and also at Mercer University. Coach Hodges and is also a member of the Indiana State University Athletic Hall of Fame. Coach Hodges, thank you for taking some time out of your busy day to uh, help us keep the nostalgia alive on Keeping the Nostalgia Alive show. Well, Billy, my days aren't quite as busy as they used to be. <laughs> a, a lot of golf, by, by, by what I understand? That's, uh, that's correct. I uh, uh, helped my daughter. Uh, she and her husband uh, live in Florida now, where she's the director of admissions at a private school here in Orlando. And, and I moved down here, and I kind of help uh, taxi the kids around their middle school age and uh, I work a couple mornings uh, a week uh, as a starter at the country club and and play golf the rest of the time. So you were you were born and raised in Indianapolis, right? You went to Zionsville High School, is that correct? Actually, I was uh, uh, born and raised just north of Zionsville, about eight miles north in a small town, and uh, uh, we didn't have a high school in our township, and uh, you could go to any high school. Uh, that you chose, and I chose Zionsville. And 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 when did the did the love of did, did you first start playing golf, or when when did your passion for basketball begin? Was it in high school? Oh, gee, gee no, I started playing basketball. My older brother was a basketball player in high school, and and uh, he was eight years older than me. And I started playing with the big boys. Uh, you know, we had a. A bunch of kids in our neighborhood, and and uh, we lived at the end of a street. And uh, my dad uh, worked at an oil refinery, and he was a, a farmer. And uh, you know, we used to. They, I'd wait until the, they didn't have enough to make even teams, and I'd get in. I started. I guess I was maybe six or seven years old when they started letting me be the extra. So, so did you play uh, at what, what you went to? Did you go to Zionsville High School? I did. Uh, went to Union Township uh, until the eighth grade, and and uh, uh, my brothers and sisters had all gone to Whitestown, which is now part of uh, uh, Lebanon uh, School District, and and uh, I chose to go to Zionsville because uh, I really liked the basketball coach there. Now, now, were you good enough in high school that uh, you could have? Did you, I mean, I know you went to, went on and went to Purdue University, but were you good enough in high school to actually possibly play at a university, uh, college basketball? You know, I'd like to think you know think that I was, but probably wasn't. Uh, uh, I ended up, uh, and I didn't have good enough grades. You know, uh, I thought uh, uh, homework was uh, a foreign country. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, I didn't have good enough grades to get in a major university, and uh, so I went to the military. I went to the Air Force four days after I graduated from high school, and, you know, I always wanted to be a coach, and, and uh, so I de decided when I got out of the Air Force that uh, I was going to go to college. I worked for a year after I got out, and then I went to junior college. Uh, uh, the coach at Pike Township that I'd played against when I was at Zionsville had moved to Florida, and, and uh, he was the uh, junior college coach in, in Fort Myers. And uh, uh, he gave me a scholarship, and I went down there and played. And uh, he helped me get uh, uh, to Purdue. And, you know, I tried out for the team and didn't make it, and I transferred to Marion College. Uh, and you know, I got hurt, and uh, the coach there said uh, he would rather have a student assistant than he would an, an old injured player. So 
uh, I ended up uh, being a student uh, manager, student assistant, and uh, that's how I got started in coaching. Uh, and, and, and we're talking, uh, we're talking Marion College off of, uh, is it Cold Springs Road there in Indianapolis? That's, that's correct. It's Marion University now. Okay. Uh, but, uh, Cleon Reynolds was the coach there and he was a real good friend of my junior college coach. And, uh, you know, he, he really helped me, uh, get through college there. And, and then I got a, a graduate assistantship at Tennessee Tech in, in Cookville, Tennessee, and uh, moved, you know, after that year, moved in uh, uh, the, on the staff at Tennessee Tech as a full-time assistant. Now, am, am I mistaken, or there was a, a couple of good ball players that came out of the state of Indiana that played at Tennessee Tech at one time, correct? We had, uh, I was pretty fortunate in, uh, and as a graduate assistant, I, uh, I recruited Indiana really heavily, and, and we had three kids there that, uh, uh, we're from Indiana that played really well, and, and uh, then uh, we had Wayne Pack, who played with George McGinnis in high school at Indianapolis, Washington, uh, who was really, uh, really a good player for us. And uh, you know, we we played pretty, we were pretty good. That league was awfully tough. Western Kentucky went to the Final Four, uh, my second year there, and you know, beating them uh, was a, a task that Kentucky schools kind of dominated at that time. Um, going back, I, I, I went a little ahead uh, real quickly, but going back to your, your high school days, was there, uh, what is your, what, what, what are your thoughts on the uh, game of basketball in Indiana, especially at the high school level, and do you have any uh, stories to share of, uh, of tournament uh, stories or anything like that while you're at Zionsville? Well, you know, when, when I was uh, uh, growing up, you know, my brother was a real good player at, at Whitestown, and, and uh, uh, you know, no one in my family had ever gone to college, you know, so uh, I was a big fan of basketball. Uh, we didn't have a television, but uh, during the state tournament, uh, the uh, man who owned the general store there where I grew up always had a, a television that uh, he'd bring down to the store uh, so we could everybody could come in there and watch the state tournament and uh, you know I be, I became a big fan I was I was a big Oscar Robertson fan and uh, you know I got to see him play in the summer tournaments when I was in high school back then they let college kids play in the summer tournaments and uh, uh, you know of course uh, when my brother was a uh, uh, a senior in in Milan was really good, and you know I I so remember the the uh, 1954 tournaments and when Milan uh, won the uh, state championship and you know I, I just uh, I can't tell you how much basketball meant to me as as a youngster. Now while you were at Tennessee Tech, you were there from '70 70 to '74. When when you first got on campus there at Tennessee Tech. Was your goal, or were you always thinking about, hey, I'd like to get back to the state of Indiana? Well, my original uh, uh, goal was to be a high school coach in Indiana, and, and uh, uh, I just happened to, you know, I get got this graduate assistantship, and I was married at the time, and, and uh, uh, you know, I wanted to get my master's degree, and, and uh, uh, you know, college coaching appealed to me with the recruiting and and uh, so I just stayed with it uh, you know I, I didn't originally uh, you know my plans weren't specifically to come back to Indiana it just happened that way I was at Tennessee Tech for for uh, four years and and then uh, uh, coach in Savannah Georgia offered me a, a job as assistant athletic director and uh, uh, ba assistant basketball coach and and you know I took that job and when I was recruiting uh, down in uh, uh, Florida at the junior college tournament uh, my college coach uh, down there introduced me to Bob King who was the new uh, basketball coach and athletic director at Indiana State I think he'd been there as a, a year as the athletic director and he started talking to me said he was looking for a uh, uh, an assistant coach uh, from Indiana uh, with Indiana ties and and uh, you know I told him I would really love to uh, 
uh, interview, and, and you know, one thing led to another, and and uh, I got that job. Uh, you know, some of my really good friends uh, through my junior college coach uh, were high school coaches in Indiana, and they all called him and recommended me, and that that helped. And uh, I, I remember Dick Barr uh, was at Hammond at the time, and I think he probably uh, uh, put it over the top when he talked with. They were ranked number one in the state. He had Rich Balvicious back then, and and uh, I think that uh, probably got me the job at uh, uh, at Indiana State. And my my wife was uh, extremely pleased. You know, she got to go back home. Uh, now, I I went to Indiana State University, and from '86 to '90, graduated with a history degree. So. Hence my kind of passion for basketball, and at least I have a little bit of history with the actual university. But you know, what was your first recollection when you got to Terre Haute, or had you been to Terre Haute before, of, of uh, what the city was like and, and what you were about to get into? Well, you know, I'd been to Terre Haute. I, I played baseball, and uh, our American Legion team played uh, the Terre Haute team uh, in the regionals. And uh, I have the uh, I had the great pleasure of of getting hit right in the hip by Tommy John. Yes. Uh, after my baseball coach called me down, he said, uh, uh, "Hey, you just stand in there. He's not going to hit you. He's got great control." And then he hit me right in the hip <laughs> and left uh, the the stitches uh, of the baseball were bruised into my skin for about three weeks. But uh, yeah, I knew Terre Haute and. Uh, but I didn't know how much I would thoroughly enjoy living there. Uh, you know, it took a while for me to uh, buy a house and, and uh, sell my house in Savannah. That, that about bankrupt us. But uh, I, I think uh, it's probably the most enjoyable place I've ever lived. I, I still love Terre Haute. Um, what was it like? How, how how was it different? And then how did you kind of jumpstart? I mean, were you in charge of recruiting once you got to Indiana State University? Well, they divided it up. Uh, originally, I was supposed to uh, recruit the high schools in Indiana. And uh, as, as it worked out, uh, uh, the other assistant was from Ohio. Uh, he was from Cincinnati area. And, uh, uh, you know, he... He wasn't. Uh, he'd been a junior college coach, and he was more uh, wanting to stay around and, and uh, uh, be in town for all the games. And I ended up doing all the scouting and the recruiting. Uh, and I had Chicago and Detroit and Indiana and, and uh, the junior colleges as well. But uh, you know, uh, the only sad thing in that I was gone so much uh, that. My marriage fell apart after four years, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed uh, my time there. I, I think uh, one of the things that I'll always remember, uh, the president of the bank, uh, Don Smith, uh, who was, you know, he was a, a really uh, strong personality there in town, and uh, he was uh, Tony Holman's cousin, and and you know they they had a lot of irons in the fire in Terre Haute, and we everybody came to the Saratoga restaurant for coffee every morning. That was one of the things. And so uh, one morning, you know, and they, it didn't matter who you were at the coffee table. Uh, you could be a, a, a worker, you know, a plumber, or or you could be a doctor, you could be a lawyer, or you could be Don Smith. It didn't matter. Everybody was the same at that coffee table. And uh, I asked uh, one morning, I said, fellas, uh, anybody have an idea where I can buy a house? And Don Smith looked at me. He says, I've got a suggestion. And I said, what would that be? He said, buy one on wheels. <laughs> I knew right then I better work hard or I was going to be out of town pretty soon. In your, in your early years there at Indiana State, when you're first starting out, who were, uh, who were some of the names that uh, you – we, that Indiana State University almost had, but slipped through our fingers to go to a a, a different university and and became stars. Oh gee, uh, my early years, probably I thought we had Jerry Seesting. You know, I'd work 
worked him really hard and, and I've become really good friends with Sam Alford. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'd go to their practices and, and I thought we had that kid. And, uh, you know, he, Indiana had turned him down and Purdue had, uh, uh, they had two guards. They had one guard coming back, uh, from Peru or, uh, and, and then they had, uh, Oh gosh, the kid that went to Kentucky. Uh, Macy. Uh, yes, and uh, you know he was at Purdue, and I didn't think there was any competition except for the out-of-state people. And Nebraska was in there trying to recruit him, and some of the out-of-state people. And uh, I didn't think we—I thought we had him. And then all of a sudden, Purdue comes to town, and and. Uh, offers him a scholarship and that was the end of that uh and he went to purdue uh, of course you know he ended up being a better uh prospect than anybody they had he's the only one of their guards that ended up playing uh for a long time in the nba that was one uh gee we had uh, a number of them that we lost to the big 10 people and, and uh uh, but that was the, probably the most memorable. The other one, uh, my my nephew's best friend was Brian Walker, and you know I knew you know we recruited Steve, and I knew that we were you know he was going to go to the ACC, you know to NC State, and I thought maybe he'd go down there and not like it. So I stayed, you know. <laughs> His dad and my brother were really close friends, and and I stayed in Lebanon quite a bit, and and uh, thought we'd get them on the rebound, and they ended up going to Purdue, and uh, you know, they would have been on our uh, our NCAA uh, team, and instead they were on Purdue's NCAA team that went the year, you know, uh, I think it was '81 or '80 uh, when they went with Joe Barry Carroll. And, uh, you know, I, I thought we would, uh, get those kids, but we didn't. And, uh, uh, you know, we were, we were pretty good anyway. Okay. My, my next question is, and I, and I want to, I want to share with you my thought process after, after reading everything about, uh, uh Larry Bird and uh, Indiana university and stuff like that. But, uh, so, uh, bear with me a second. Um, did a, a a light bulb did it go off on your head once you found out that Larry had left Indiana University? And then my vision of what happened is I just I see you following a garbage truck in French Lake, Indiana, to track this guy down. So can you expound on us on on that whole situation I just let loose? <laughs> that's not that's not exactly how it happened. Okay. <laughs> when Larry, uh, you know, I'd seen Larry play. Uh, in high school, I was recruiting uh, Kurt Gilstrap. I don't know if you remember mm -hmm. him. He's mm -hmm. from Smithtown. And uh, uh, he ended up going to Louisville. He never did play much. He should have come to Tennessee Tech. Uh, but then uh, I left Tech and, and went down to uh, Armstrong in Savannah, Georgia. And I was recruiting a, a kid from uh, uh, junior college in, in uh, Lebanon, Tennessee, from Cumberland Junior College, Cliff Ellis was coaching there then. He later uh, coached at South Alabama and Clemson. He's at uh, he's in uh, Myrtle Beach now at uh, Coastal Carolina. But uh, I was recruiting a guard from there. He ended up going to West Georgia, and uh, his name was Danny King, and he was a senior when Larry was a junior, and uh, so. When I uh, got the Indiana State job, I, you know, I'd seen Larry play. Uh, you know, as a junior, he was he wasn't very big. He was only about six three. Right. And he was a really good player, but you know, he was a six three uh, swing player. You know, wing player. And uh, then when he was a senior, I saw him in the All Star game, and I thought he was the best player on the team. He and Tony Marshall from from Anderson, and. Uh, you know, uh, Kirby Overman was coaching back then. He's he's at New Albany, and, and he didn't play those two very much. When he did play them, they 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 dominated the game. And uh, you know, I, I just 
when I uh, got the Indiana State job, I knew Larry had left Indiana. And uh, so, you know, one of the first things when we had a meeting, uh, you know, Coach King said, you know, we're, we're graduating both of our forwards. He said, we've got to have two kids that can play. And I said, well, uh, have you talked with Larry Bird? Uh, well, he, he said, I'd know the name. He said, uh, tell me about him. And, you know, I told him about him. And he said, well, I think you better get down and see that kid. And, you know, uh, we went down there. <laughs> the first trip down there, uh, uh, we went over and, and uh, uh, saw his, his high school coach, who was an assistant until Larry was a senior. And he took us over to meet Larry, and, and he wasn't at home. His mom, she didn't want any part of it. She just kind of slammed the door in our face. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the other assistant was with me, and he said, well, there's no sense uh, wasting our time down here. I said, no, we're going we're gonna to drive around town. You know, French Lick's not very big. West, West Baden and French Lick together is about the same size as Zionsville. And... Uh, so I told him, you know, we're gonna we're gonna nose around and see if we can find the kid. And Gary had told us to come back, uh, you know, in a few days, and he'd he'd make sure that he got Larry over to the high school so we could meet him. And uh, we were driving around, and and uh, Stan, you know, we'd been driving around for about 20 minutes or so, and he said we're wasting our time. And just then, I was driving down the street, and I saw this big blonde kid come out of of uh, of a laundromat carrying uh, a basket of clothes, and I said that has to be him. I said there's you know, there can't be uh, two six eight kids in this. <laughs> <clears throat> so I pulled in and got out of the car and and uh, you know said Larry, and he looked at me and said yeah, and I introduced myself and and he wouldn't shake hands. He says that he'd been working on his. His truck, his carburetor was messed up, and and uh, he, his hands were dirty. And uh, I started talking to him, and I said, "We'd like to, we'd like to sit down and visit with you a while." Well, he's busy. He's busy working on his truck, and he had all these excuses. He didn't want to talk. And and his grandmother came out of the laundromat, and she's little gal. She couldn't bend more than five foot two. And uh, she said, "Now, Larry." these gentlemen have driven a long way to come to talk with you and you invite them up to the house for tea. And, uh, so he said, okay, granny. And, and so we went up to her house. We followed him up to the house and sat there and talked with him for a while. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we talked about playing AAU ball because he had spent the winter playing AAU ball. And I think they went to the national tournament. Back then, it's not the same as it is now. Right. Older guys played AAU ball back then. It was more uh, for guys that had played basketball and, and uh, uh, that, you know, were 25, 26, you know, all the way to 30 years old. And Larry played with Hancock Construction Company, and, and they would really had a great year. And uh, we talked about that, and we talked about uh, – uh, the kids he'd played high school ball with and talked about Danny King. And and uh, uh, he was talking about, he said, well, my cousin was the same age as Danny. He said he was better than Danny. He said, uh, uh, you ought to be talking to him about going to school. But he got married, so I don't know if his wife would, you know, would let him. <laughs> he said, uh, if he'd have gone to college, he'd have been a great college player. And I looked at Larry and I said, Larry. That's what they're going to say about you someday if you don't go back to college. And, you know, he never looked at you when he was talking to you. He always looked down. And uh, he looked me right in the eye. And I knew then that, uh, you know, I had the hook. And, you know, how you hook a hook a bass, boy, you better you better really mean. And, and uh, so Stan, you know, we talked about him what he was doing he was working uh, on the street department and you know in a small town he said one day they would uh, clean the parks you know pick up lambs you know so on and so forth and and one day they might paint the curbs you know and and uh, on thursday though he had to they they picked up the garbage and uh, i said well you work on a garbage truck and he said yeah he said uh, 
I said, did you drive it? He said, hell no. Sam Sam drove the truck. I worked on the back. <laughs> and so, you know, we kind of had been there, and, and uh, uh, Stan uh, Evans said, well, Larry, he said, do you want to – you don't want to waste your life working on a truck, a garbage truck all your life? And Larry looked at him. He said, well, I kind of like the job. He said, uh, I enjoy the people I work with. And I knew then <clears throat> I better get Stan out of there before <laughs> before he made him mad. And, and so, uh, you know, I said, Larry, the tea was great. And I really enjoyed talking with you. I'm going to come back and, and see you in a couple of days. That'll be all right. And he said, well, he didn't know about that. And so, you know, we went back to Terre Haute, and I got all the paperwork and filled out the paperwork. And and uh, uh, I went back to Terre Haute, or I went back to uh, French Lick in a couple of days. And when I knocked on the, the door of his mom's house, boy, she opened the door and said, Coach, come in, come in. <laughs> I said, is Larry here? She said, oh, yeah. Come in, what can I get you to drink? <laughs> and, a total 360 and, uh, there. Yeah, you know, uh, and, you know, I had all the paperwork filled out already. All uh-huh. I had to do was get Larry to sign it. And I had the envelope with a stamp on it, and I had it addressed to Indiana University. And and uh, Larry said, uh, how do you know, uh, how do you know I would, uh, I would come? And I said, well, Larry, you know, that the you're a smart fellow and you know smart people make smart choices and this is the smartest choice you can make and uh so he uh he signed it and i took it myself and put it in the mail and you know the rest of the story wow yeah. So, so what? I mean, and, and while you were doing all this, or uh, as he arrives on campus at Indiana State University, did you even did you even foresee uh, uh, what would happen to Indiana State University and Larry Bird? You know, I don't think you you, you foresee that. What you do, what you do when you start putting together a basketball team or any any team is is you look at what you have and what you need, and then. You know, you you sit down and you you uh, go to the blackboard and or the whiteboard today, and and you put the names of the players uh, that you think can best fill the bill. It's just like uh, uh, the the draft rooms. You know, when they have a, a draft in in the pros, you know, you you put the guys that uh, you think are the best at the top, and you you move down. And uh, you try to go about four or five deep, and uh, especially when you're at uh, uh, mid-major, you know. And hopefully you get people at the top of your list, and you know they turn out to be the best players. That doesn't always happen. Uh, you know, Brad Miley, for example, wasn't he wasn't the top of our list as a four-player, but he ended up being one of the best defensive players I've ever I've ever had the opportunity to coach and probably got more out of his ability than anyone on the team, including Larry. You know, Larry just had a heck of a lot more ability. You know? But, uh, you know, uh, you put together that team not envisioning, uh, you know, this is what we, we're going to put together this team to win a national championship. You're, you're trying to have a winner. You know, at that time, Indiana State was independent. And Coach King was trying to get us in the league, and and we just wanted to win enough to get in a postseason tournament, a postseason tournament. You know, back then it was hard to get in the NCAA. Uh, You know, they didn't have 64 teams like they have today or 68 teams like they have today. So that's that's how we put together our team. And, and, you know, we ended up uh, uh, after we signed Larry – and and got him, uh, you know, his big thing was he would come to Indiana State if we could get him a job in Terre Haute so he could come up there and, and spend uh, the summer up there because he didn't have any competition in, in French Lick. <laughs> and he, he wanted to be where he could play every day against good competition. And uh, we got him a job, $3 an hour. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, he was uh, he he cleaned the uh, the pools and and uh, everything at uh, at a trailer park and mowed the grass and did all that at uh, uh, 
the Thompson tra- Trailer Park, they built trailers. Uh, uh, we're talking about mobile homes. And uh, so that was his first job in Terre Haute, and, and they said he was the best worker they ever had. At what point, when did getting into the NBC, uh, the Missouri Valley Conference, evolve? That was the year after. Uh, it was the, the year that Larry redshirted. We were independent. And uh, and then uh, his sophomore year was our first year in, in the uh, Missouri Valley. And, and what did you think about the Valley? Oh, heck, it was, you know, that was a... That was a uh, a godsend for Indiana State because the winner of the Missouri Valley got an automatic bid to the NCAA. Unfortunately, we lost to Creighton that first year. And, uh, uh, no, it was the second year we lost to Creighton. Uh, Larry's uh, first year, we were in the NIT and uh, ended up uh, uh, losing to uh, uh, Houston at Houston by one point. And then the second year, you know, Larry's junior year, we were in the NIT. We lost to Creighton for the uh, championship. And, uh, uh, and then we played in the NIT, and, and we won our first game. And then we lost uh, to go to New York to uh, uh, Rutgers, who had Jim Bailey. Coach, t- tell us about the evolution of uh you becoming the head coach, you know, uh, Bob King and his, uh, his aneurysm and everything else like that. And, and what, what were you going through at that time? How did you feel about that situation and, and, and how did that all evolve? Well, I think, uh, you know, coach King had had a heart attack and, uh, he and I, you know, I worked really hard and he respected that. And, uh, uh, you know, I wasn't with the team near as much as the other assistant. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was out doing the scouting and I was doing the recruiting and, and I really worked hard. And uh, I think uh, uh, we became really close. And uh, when he had his heart attack, uh, I, I got Don Smith, who, uh, you know, he was the first national head of First National Bank, and they had a, an airplane, and I, I got them to fly uh, Coach King's wife out to Mason, Iowa, where he had been he had been speaking at a clinic. And uh, <clears throat> it, ultimately, they went out there and flew him home. And uh, you know, he was he was recovering from his heart attack, and and uh, uh, you know, it was during the summer, and and uh, you know, it was coming on to fall. And, uh, you know, he, he was having some, you know, he was expected to come back. You know, uh, he was expected in two weeks. We were expecting him to be back at work. And, and he called me and said, the doctor said uh, he had an aneurysm. He was going to have to go to uh, Indianapolis for surgery, and he wanted me to come out to the house. And so I went out there, and he said, uh, you know, because of the trust we've built together, he said, uh, uh, I want you to uh, take over this team and be the interim coach. I've talked with the president, and uh, uh, I think uh, I think uh, they had talked with Larry, and, and Larry had already been drafted by the uh, by the Celtics, and uh, he could leave if he you know if he wanted to go sign with the Celtics, and you know we we had always been pretty close and. And, uh, you know, Coach King had said Larry wanted me, you know, uh, to be the interim coach. <clears throat> and I said, well, Coach, I'll, I'll do the best I can until you can get back. And uh, when, when you're healthy, uh, you come back and, and, you know, I'll be your assistant. And uh, that's, that's the way it was. And, and uh, you know, I took over, of course, uh, Stan was upset about it because he thought he had more experience, which he did. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, he, he refused to, to uh, be my assistant. So uh, he left, and I here I was without any assistance. <laughs> and, uh, Mel Daniels was going to be our graduate assistant that year, and I talked with Mel, and he agreed to, to come and be a full-time assistant. 
and uh, you know, then I uh, got a young kid who had been our student manager uh, to come back and be the other assistant. But we were a little shorthanded. So after the, all the dust cleared and the smoke settled, um, did um, did you think that you were going to have something special that year? Well, you know, <laughs> the first uh, this all happened. Uh, two days before practice started, and, and uh, the first practice, uh, you know, I uh, expected the kids to be there at 2:30, and, and they came at three, and uh, because they had always had practice at three, and, and I was changing it to 2:30, and uh, so it was it was kind of uh, uh, chaos the first day or two, and uh, Danny King, who had graduated. Uh, was gonna, you know, he was gonna be a student assistant, and Danny really, you know, he was he was a good, he was really good. He was he was a good teacher, and uh, so uh, it, it was. Uh, who knew, you know? Uh, we uh, we started practice, and I knew we were gonna be good. Everybody, you know, when we when uh, all the pundits uh, uh, from the uh, media picked us like uh, sixth in the in the league, I knew we were going to be better than that. You know, I don't think anybody realized uh, we'd, we'd have a, had a really good recruiting year. Uh, uh, got Alex Gilbert, who, uh, who we beat uh, Missouri on him, and, and he'd played at Coffeyville Junior College, and he was a great rebounder. And uh, we got Carl Nix back, who we, uh, we'd put in a junior college for a year, and, and uh, he averaged about 25 a game at, at uh, Gulf Coast Junior College down in Panama City. And so I, I knew we were going to be better than what people thought. Uh, but uh, And we had Leroy Staley, and we had uh, Bobby Heaton, who had uh, both played the year before. And, and uh, uh, so I, I knew we were going to be pretty good. But, uh, you know, I think it was about seven games into the season before I realized how good we were going to be. I think we were uh, uh, sitting in the uh, locker room, and, and they'd got us some nice furniture, and we had a TV in there, and we were sitting watching Kentucky play. And Larry said, Coach, we're better than them. And uh, Brad Miley said, I think so, too. And I said, well, let me tell you. And I think Kentucky may have been ranked number one then. And I said, let me tell you, if we keep playing together like we are right now and we get better defensively, uh, we'll get the chance. You know, that's all we want is a chance to get in the tournament. But we got we got to win uh, the league to get in the tournament. And, of course, that year they'd gone to 48 teams, and we got two teams in the tournament. Uh, New Mexico State got in the tournament as well. What were some of the, you know, you, you see all the specials on ESPN, you, you read Larry Bird's book, and you, you know, you hear, you hear all this folklore and legend, but um, during the season, uh, are there any stories that people don't know on a couple situations where you didn't, you didn't, you didn't think you were going, that streak was going to, you know, go all the way to the final game, that it was going to be broken by another team, you know, on your way to that 33-0 uh, and 0 record before you lost in the final? Well, you know, <laughs> Uh, I don't know how many people know the story about uh, our trip to New Mexico State. New Mexico State was really good. Uh, and uh, They had a kid named Slab Jones, and they had a kid named Robert Gunn, and they had a, a guard that uh, could shoot it from, uh, you know, he was like a Jimmy Rail. As soon as he crossed midcourt, he was in range. And uh, uh, we went down there to play, and... Uh, Coach King, you know, he was he he still had a problem with his short-term memory, but he was still sharp. Now he he still knew basketball and he could still talk basketball. And he and his wife went with us. You know, he was uh, he'd spent a lot of years in New Mexico, and uh, they went on that trip with us. And and uh, uh, you know, we were playing, and and I mean, it was a tight game the whole time. And New Mexico State got a huge arena. And uh, it was packed, and we were uh, we were down two, uh, and, and uh, Alex fouled out, Alex Gilbert, and, and then Carl Nix fouled out, and uh, 
we came down and missed a shot to tie the game. And they got the ball, and Larry fouled their best guard, a kid named Cormier. And uh, so they go to the line. There's three seconds left. And I called timeout, and our manager had already uh, put the uh, the chalkboard up, and I started yelling at him. Rick Shaw, who's a, he's a, he's an insurance guy over in Danville, I think, or Plainfield. He's from Plainfield, and uh, uh, I started yelling at him. And I was thinking about our next game because we were getting ready to go to Wichita State, and Wichita State was really good, and. Uh, you know, I, I started yelling, saying, hey, this game's not over. You know, it's not over until it's over. <laughs> uh, you know, taking the old uh, thing from, uh, from Yogi Bear. And, and uh, so I, I got him over there, and I said, okay, uh, we're going to put two guys at the midcourt with Steve Reed and, and Bobby Heaton. And, uh, all right, when he misses this free throw, which he had a one-on-one, when he misses this free throw, uh, Brad or, or Leroy, I want you to get the ball and just turn around and get it to to either Steve or Bobby. And you don't have time to dribble. Just turn around and shoot. And uh, Brad Miley got the rebound. Uh, they missed the shot. They didn't put anybody on the lane. And, uh, you know, when the, when they missed the shot, Brad got the rebound real quick, and, and he fired it to Bobby, and Bobby turned around and two-handed set shot, and it hit the backboard and went in. Of course, today the game would have been over because that would have been a three-pointer, but uh, back then it just tied the game. And Mel Daniels, uh, uh, you know, everybody was jumping up and down, and Mel just calmly looked at me, and he said, okay, genius, what the hell are you going to do now? <laughs> We got Larry on the bench, we got Carl on the bench, and we got Brad, or uh, we got uh, 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 Alex Gilbert. Our two leading rebounders and our two leading scorers are sitting on the bench. And I said, well, we're not going to hold the ball, we're just going to go play. (laughs) And, uh, you know, our guys, we beat them like eight or ten points in the overtime. Uh, You know, we get back home we went to, to Wichita of course Wichita didn't have a chance we were we were riding high then and uh, when we got back home I found out that half of Terre Haute you know it was it was TV'd back to Terre Haute half of the town had turned the game off think, thinking we won and didn't know until the next morning that we are thinking we lost and then they didn't know until the next morning that we'd won so that was that was a huge huge uh time in in that uh, basketball team's uh, life, you know, because it gave us the confidence that we could do anything. And, uh, you know, we never, we never uh, faltered after that. Uh, we went to Southern Illinois, and uh, uh, they led, they were really good. Joe Godfrey, uh, Mark Godfrey, who's at NC State, uh, he was a ball boy back then, and and Mark and I are real good friends because Joe and I had we were such good friends. And Joe was a heck of a coach, and they had a heck of a team. And they led us until the last last seconds of the game. And Larry got an offensive rebound off of a missed free throw, and and put it back in for us to win. And uh, so we had some close games, but we always knew we were going to win. It was just a matter of what time during the game we were going to take over. So you won the Missouri Valley Championship. You're in the NCAA tournament. Um, What did you tell the team? How did you guys prepare for that run to Salt Lake City? Well, you know, our first game was uh, in uh, Lawrence, Kansas. And uh, we were going to play Virginia Tech. And, you know, I didn't know anything about them. And, you know, back then – you, you didn't, uh, you know, everything wasn't on TV. You couldn't, you couldn't get film, and uh, so we just went in the game, knowing that hey, this is what we do, and this is what we're gonna do, and uh, you know, uh, we just started the game not knowing anything about them other than their size and and uh, you know what they what they were like, 
And uh, it was a close game until right before half. And Alex Gilbert got a, a slam dunk off of a rebound. Uh, he windmilled a, a left-handed uh, uh, dunk, you know, off of a rebound, and and the crowd went crazy. And from then on, it was you know it was Katie bar the door. We ended up winning by 16. And Charlie Moyer, uh, who after he left uh, Virginia Tech, he moved back to Roanoke. And when I retired, my daughter married a kid from Roanoke. When when I retired and moved up there, we became really close friends. And uh, his son, as a matter of fact, is the uh, coach at Roanoke College, and he's the president of the National Association of Basketball Coaches this year. Wow. So we we won that, you know, and uh, then we go to to Cincinnati, and we're going to play Oklahoma. And uh, Dave Bliss uh, from Indiana is the coach at Oklahoma, and, and he's got two or three kids that uh, uh, we had recruited on. One of them, uh, we kind of, uh, he was from Pike Township. We had to make a choice of whether we are going to take him or Steve Reed, and and uh, we took the first one that committed, which was Steve. And, you know, we had a pretty good player, but uh, uh, their kid was pretty good, too. So how did the Oklahoma game, uh, you guys, from uh, beginning to end, handle that uh, one? Well, you know, uh, it was it was close for about the first 10 minutes, and, and then we opened up a little bit of a lead, and, and then the second half we just uh, – we we controlled the game pretty much and beat them by uh, 16 points I think or 15. You know it, it was uh, you know uh, we dominated the second half. How 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 hard was it to prepare for Salt Lake City? Oh, uh, it was a nightmare uh, because you know nobody expected us to win. You know the the Arkansas game. You know, we were supposed to lose that. They'd been to the Final Four the year before, and uh, we weren't supposed to win the game, so nobody had made any plans. And, uh, you know, getting to Salt Lake City is not the easiest thing in the world. Uh, And, you know, uh, we ended up uh, in a motel downtown where I think uh, three-fourths of the rooms were were, uh, uh, Michigan State fans. They kept us up you know, outside with their band and everything, it, it's totally different than it is today. Uh, you know, most of the teams, they, you know, nobody stays in the hotel where they're at. Uh, I think John Thompson started that. Everybody gave him a hard time. But uh, if I'd have known them what I know now, I'd have, I'd have tried to uh, be in the outskirts of, of Salt Lake City instead of downtown. Did Indiana State University, did, did, our, did our fans travel well? Oh yeah, yeah. Our fans traveled well, but you know the the Missouri Valley is so spread out. You know, you, you know, we had we had a lot of fans that uh, would go to the to the games. They'd uh, you know they'd get there somehow, and uh, you know Max Gibson, uh, he'd always take a group with him and and his plane, and and uh, uh, you know it, it was uh, it, there was always a, a group of people regardless of where we went and uh uh you know it was it was always good to see some friendly faces coach you know you're in the final game and we all know the end result and i know you're probably you may hate this question but if you could have done anything different during that final game what would you have done i'd have pressed from the opening whistle uh you know from the opening tip we would have pressed them and what i was I was planning to press, but I didn't feel like we could press them the whole game. And, you know, actually we could have. They didn't play very well when we pressed them, even even with Magic in the game. Uh, the guy that really uh, uh, tipped the scale was, was uh, uh, Greg Kelser. You know, Magic is going to get his points, and, and he's going to be tough to handle. But uh, Greg Kelser, uh, really, he was a guy that, that we really had trouble with. Uh, you know, I, if we'd have pressed the whole game, I, it might have been a different outcome, though. But back then, if, if you get a lead, you know, there wasn't a shot clock. So 
uh, you know, with with that bunch, you know, they were all really good ball handlers and passers and and uh, good free throw shooters, and they they knew our weakness was uh, uh, our front line guys. Anytime Alex and Brad got uh, their hands on the ball, they'd just foul them, put them on the free throw line, and you know, I think between them they only shot about forty percent from the free throw line. <coughs> I mean, I know that season was kind of a whirlwind and, and, and fantastic. What was what was the atmosphere like in the locker room or on the travel back to Indiana? What I mean, give us a little insight on that. You mean after after the championship game? Yes. Oh gosh, I was so tired. Uh, I mean, I was really really tired, and uh, uh, you know, it, it wasn't. Just totally somber, but uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, hoopla either. Uh, I think uh, you know the guys were disappointed, but uh, you know nobody ever expected us to be in the Final Four, so you know I don't think they were just distraught. Uh, I think they they felt like we'd we'd uh, achieved a great deal, and uh, so I don't think anybody was despondent like they would have been if they had. A, uh, uh, been, you know, a team that was uh, supposed to win the whole thing. But uh, when we got back to Terre Haute, I think we were just all totally amazed, you know, because we got off the plane and got on the bus, and and the, you know, the <clears throat> the, the uh, airport in Terre Haute's about no oh, four or five miles uh, uh, east of town, uh, in they there were people lining the both sides of the of the roads and streets all the way to campus and then when we got to campus uh when we got in the uh, Holman Center it was totally packed and i think we were all just in awe you know <laughs> it was uh, totally amazing did you guys speak when you got there, or was it just the fans recognizing the team? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, we spoke, and, and you know, our players, you know, they talked like they were uh, at the Ballyhoo with their buddies, <laughs> and, and they didn't, none of us knew we were on live radio, <laughs> so, you know, it wasn't good, it wasn't good. I was, uh, so, was going to try to get through the whole conversation without using the words, the Ballyhoo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Valley who are the rafters. If if I was looking for them, I knew where I could find them. <laughs> so, Coach, what what was it like coming back the next year? I mean, did, did you feel like it was uh, – did you have to start from scratch again? Well, no, we had we had a, a good group back, but, uh, you know, uh, and we knew we were going to – you know, when you take 30 points out of the lineup, mm-hmm. you know, the first thing actually – uh, Leroy Staley averaged about ten too, so you're you're you know forty points is gone, and uh, you know a bunch of rebounds. Uh, we missed Leroy, you know of course not as much as we did Larry, but we missed him about as much. If we'd had Leroy back, I think it'd have been a different year. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, I was going to make some changes in the offense, and then I got cold feet and went back to what we were doing and, and we couldn't do it without Larry and, and you know I should have stuck with what I was what I was planning uh, but being an inexperienced coach and, and uh, uh, not not having enough confidence to stick with what you're doing knowing that it's right uh, I think uh, hurt us that year but we were playing we were we were doing well we were 15 and four. And Bobby Heaton gets hurt, and uh, Alex Gilbert gets hurt. And, you know, we lost uh, uh, five of our last six games. And uh, I think we ended up uh, uh, like 15 and 11 or something, or 16 and 11, I think it was. But, uh, you know, we we were really playing well until those two guys got hurt. Coach, t- tell us a little bit. Uh, the, the name escapes me. I did not write it down. I think his first name is. I think it's Kevin Thompson. I may be incorrect. But were you involved in recruiting him? Him, and did you think that he could uh, uh, bring the program back or continue it like it was when Larry was there? 
uh, Kevin Thompson was, uh, uh, you know, he was uh, played at Terre Haute South. He was uh, a six-eight kid that was, uh, you know, he weighed about two twenty-five, two thirty, and uh, everybody was recruiting him. Uh, Indiana was recruiting him, and and uh, you know, I'd been recruiting him since he was a sophomore. And Cam Cameron uh, was on that team with him, and and Cam's stepdad, Tom Harp, was our football coach. And uh, you know, I, I thought Cam could have played basketball for us at Indiana State, and but he was he was uh, a great quarterback at Terre Haute South, and and uh, of course Cam, you know, he, he uh, ended up at uh, IU, and he was their quarterback, and and uh, when IU had their uh, some of their basketball players hurt, he walked on the basketball team and made the team, and Knight liked him so well that uh, he got him a, a graduate assistantship at Michigan with his friend Bo, Schimbe- Bo Schimbeckler. And Cam uh, uh, is still coaching. He's the offensive coordinator at LSU. Uh, he and Les Miles were on the staff together at Michigan. But uh, Cam and, and uh, uh, Kevin Thompson were close, and, and uh, you know, they went, they went uh, their junior and senior year went to the uh, Final Four. Uh, you know, in high school. And, uh, you know, I think the key thing, Kevin, he was he was like a, a, a grown-up. You know, he, he wasn't like a young kid. And he fell in love with his high school sweetheart, and they wanted to get married. And uh, uh, Knight told him that uh, they didn't, you know, uh, he wasn't going to have a married guy on his team. And... Uh, so, you know, Kevin's parents and and uh, his uh, girlfriend's parents were okay with them getting married. And I said, hey, if you want to get married, uh, that's fine as long as she understands uh, that basketball is going to be your life for the next four years. And, and you know, she's going to support that. And uh, by all means, uh, that's okay. And so we ended up getting Kevin. And uh, he was working at... at uh, uh, the steel, uh, I think it was uh, Rand Steel down in the south part of town during the summer, and he broke a rib, and uh, the daggone thing wouldn't heal. It was time for uh, for uh, the season to start, and I was at the Saratoga, and one of our doctors, uh, daggone, I can't remember his name. Uh, uh, he was uh, 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 he was an Asian. Uh, I think he was uh, of Chinese descent, and and I was telling him this daggone thing won't heal, and he said, you know, uh, you need to get him in, and, and uh, let's let's have uh, uh, this doctor uh, biopsy that thing, and see, you know, let's find out what's wrong, and they uh, did that, and found out that he had cancer, and uh, that's one of the hardest things I've ever gone through. He was such a great kid, and. And he ended up in Sloan Kettering and, and uh, fought cancer until the next spring, and uh, he died. And, you know, uh, that was one of the most tragic things I've ever had happen uh, to me in life. And uh, I still uh, think about that kid. Uh, you know, uh, I was talking with him, and uh, I'd been, I went to, uh, I stayed with Larry for a week, and then I went to Sloan Kettering to visit with Kevin, and, and uh, you know, I got a little emotional, and uh, Kevin uh, said, oh, Coach, he said, it's not the quality of life, it's the quality of life, and I've had I've had a great quality. I've got great parents. I've had a lot of fun playing basketball. I've got a wonderful wife, and... Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm I'm good with this, and and that's the kind of kid he was. Well, that goes back to what you were just saying about uh, you know how mature he was. Wow. I you know you never know how good he would have been, but I yeah. thought I thought he could really be a dominant player in the post in in the Missouri Valley. Uh, you know, he was going to grow another inch, and he was six eight then, and uh, he was really physical, and he run and and he had great hands and. And uh, you know he had a little 15-foot jump shot that uh, that he could 
he could score with, and and uh, you know I thought we were going to be pretty good. So you're done at Indiana State University as the basketball coach. How did it, was Long Beach State your next uh, stop? No, no. Uh, when uh, Beanie Cooper uh, came to town as the athletic director, he called me in and said, "You you have to win 18 games, uh, or we're not going to renew your contract." And and you know I knew you know we had a tough schedule, and and uh, the Missouri Valley was really tough, and I knew that was. Uh, the chance of doing that were pretty slim, and I probably should have just said, "Well, you know, I'll re- I'll just uh, resign now and go on and find something else to do." But I stuck with it, and and uh, uh, we didn't we didn't do very well, and uh, they didn't renew my contract, and and uh, I was I wasn't going to coach. I was I was going to uh, get out of coaching and do something else, and. Uh, my junior college coach talked me into taking a, a junior college job down in Florida, and I was down there for a year. and And the the coach at uh, Long Beach uh, talked me into coming out to Long Beach, which was a big mistake. I should have stayed down in Florida, but uh, I went to Long Beach. It was a good experience uh, uh, as far as uh, uh, being out there. But uh, I found out the guy that I I went to work with was uh, not somebody I could I could deal with, so I got out of coaching for a couple of years. And sold insurance, came back to Florida and sold insurance for Allstate. I knew that wasn't the life that was meant for me, so uh, I started looking for a job and and couldn't get an interview. And finally, uh, a kid that had played for me at Tennessee Tech is still the women's basketball coach at Georgia. And uh, there was a small college job open. He said, you don't want that job? I said, hey, I'll take any job I can get. <laughs> and so uh, two phone calls, and I was the new coach at Georgia College in Milledgeville, Georgia. And you had what, a five-year five year run there? I was, I was there for five years. They had never had a winning season. And uh, uh, my first year, uh, we won 17, and we were 17 and 14. And my second uh, third and fourth year, uh, we went to Kansas City to the national NAIA tournament. And uh, in my fifth year, we lost to uh, uh, Georgia Southwestern to go. Uh, we won't lost in the final game of the of the district tournament. Uh, but we had a pretty good run, and and the job was open at Mercer, and and my daughter was a senior in high school. And, she was going to go off to Florida State. I didn't want her to go. And, and uh, uh, so when I took the Mercer job, she came to Mercer with me. And that was a pretty good move. Uh, toughest job I've ever had. But, uh, uh, you know, I really enjoyed my four, my uh, six years there. Uh, only one daughter? I have one daughter, and, and uh, she's sitting here listening to me right now. Uh, she's uh, home with a bad cold today and uh, so uh, uh, I have one son he's uh, he got out of the uh, army uh, a couple years ago after 14 years in the army and uh, two tours in Iraq and and uh, he lives in uh, Colleen Texas not too far from me here in Houston I'm sorry. Not too far from me here in Houston. Oh, you're in Houston, huh? Yeah, I'm. A, I'm originally. I was born and raised in Indianapolis, Indiana, and then um, uh, through jobs and stuff like that, I uh, made it down here to Houston, Texas. I've been here for 16 years. And, you know, I, I just have a passion for the game, and uh, you know, I appreciate you being on the show. I just uh, my tagline kind of is like you know, documenting the past so the future can remember because you know it's a great game and the nostalgia needs to be remembered and, and passed along. Okay. Yeah. Uh, coach, real quick, uh, uh, tell us a little bit about your golf game. I, I, I know you uh, coached golf for a little while at one stint in, in your uh, career, but, um, I, I mean, where did your love of golf come from? Well, when I was at Tennessee Tech, uh, you know, they they passed the NCAA rule. You couldn't recruit during the summer. And uh, so I took up golf. Uh, the uh, golf coach there was a real good friend of mine, and, and we taught uh, 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 PE together, and, and uh, uh, so I started playing, and all the football coaches played golf, and, and I started playing golf with them, and, 
and uh, uh, I remember Jim was giving me a, a lesson one day, and I said, what do you think? He said, uh, my recommendation is you take two weeks off and then quit. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't, and, you know, I played, uh, they changed the rules uh, a year or so later, where you could recruit only during the summer, <laughs> and uh, you know the NCAA. They'll if if it don't work, the you know if it works, they'll change it. And uh, so uh, I didn't play much. Uh, Bob Kane was a great golfer, and I'd play occasionally, but I was I worked so much that uh, I didn't get a chance to play much. And then uh, when I went to uh, Milledgeville, I started playing again, and and. Uh, uh, I bought me a new set of clubs and, and uh, you know, found out that was all the difference in the world. And, uh, you know, I've been playing ever since. I, I'm not a, a good golfer, but I, I'm a rabid golfer.